grace, mercy, and peace, all these are yours in abundance through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, who, although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Amen. I have a couple of preliminary remarks to make before I begin my sermon. The first is this, that I am preaching on the text of the rich young ruler, but the account that I'm preaching on is the account from Mark. So you might notice a few things that are a little different. So if you want to have that out and follow along in in the Pew Bibles or uh, bring it up on your phone, something like that, you're most welcome to do so. I will be reading the text as I go throughout, so you'll get to hear how Mark tells us this account. There's really nothing much different. Mark just adds a couple of other details for us as well. Second thing I'm going to say is that this is an important text. Now you might say to me, duh, it's in the Bible. Of course it's important. And you'd be right. But it is in three of the four Gospels. So three of the Gospel writers thought that Wow, this is a really important story for us to record. Through the Holy Spirit, they did that. And, and, well, volume doesn't always tell us that something is more important than something else. I think it does say something here. That this is an important story that the Holy Spirit and that Jesus wants us to know for our lives as well. So those are just a few things before I really get into the sermon. I'm not sure exactly when it was. I think it was for the 2006 World Cup, but Adidas came out with a slogan that was this, impossible is nothing. I don't know if they still have that slogan, but I think that that sort of idea is very pervasive in our culture today, isn't it? If I really put my mind to it, if I work super hard, and of course if I wear Adidas clothing, then for me, impossible is nothing. That was the whole idea. That was the idea of this rich young ruler too, wasn't it? If I just do the things that God says in his law and I try to do them as hard as I can, well, then for me, really impossible is nothing. In fact, I can even gain eternal life for myself. But we see how well that worked out for him, right? You can't. Because you see, impossible is nothing only for one person. God. This guy really had it all. He's rich. He's young. He's a ruler. I think we could probably say he maybe was kind of handsome. Moms, he he was the kind of guy that you want your daughter to marry. Dads, he's the kind of guy that you can't stop bragging about at work. And look, He's even a great gentleman. He sees Jesus in the distance and he runs up to him and he falls before him and he asks a question which is the most important question to ask, isn't it? What must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I go to heaven? Right away we could say, well, his question is a little bit misguided, right? Because you can't do anything to have an inheritance. You're born into it. Jesus responds to him, 
giving him a clue, really. Why do you call me good? There is only one who is good, God. He wants this guy to realize that it's, it's not some good rabbi he's talking to, some teacher who's going to give him the newest self-help answer. But who he's talking to is really God himself. And if he realizes the person that he's talking to is God himself, then he realizes he has to surrender himself to all of what God commands. And so, Jesus gives him an answer to what he's asking. He says, well, if you want to play on the law, we can go ahead and play on the law. This is what Jesus says to him. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. This man knew something was missing in his life, so he came to Jesus and asked him that spiritual question, what must I do to be saved? And so Jesus gives to him the answers, and you can almost see him doing a checklist in his head. Uh, you shall not murder. Haven't done that one. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Nah, that one I haven't done either. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Yeah. I think I've done that pretty well. And I think he's really being genuine when he tells Jesus, all of these things I have kept since I was a child. And it's at this point we want to jump up and down at the guy and say, what are you thinking? Don't you know that you, everyone breaks God's law? It's not possible for someone to perfectly keep God's law. Don't you know the passages? The, who stumbles even at one point, he's guilty of breaking the whole thing. You've never stumbled? But isn't this sometimes how we hear God's law? As a checklist of things that we need to do, and we go right down the list. You shall not murder. I haven't committed first-degree murder. Cheat on my spouse? Haven't done that. Stolen from the store? No way. Defraud? I, I always honor my father and mother. And we think that there is something that we can do, and we're just so good that somehow that's going to earn God's favor. You see, this man didn't need another checklist or something that God told him to do. In fact, that's what he wanted. He wanted Jesus to come before him and say, yeah, this is what you have to do, and you know, then you will have eternal life. And so Jesus was forced to go right to the heart of this man's issue. The story goes on. Jesus looked at him and loved him. That line is particularly in Mark and not in the other Gospels. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. I think that 
line is a really interesting one. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. That's the kind of love that a mom looks at her son or daughter with. And that's the same love that God looks at you with even when He has to convict you with the law. When He has to tell you and show you the things you've done wrong in your life. Why? Because He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be forever with you. And so He has to say these strict words to the man. Go sell everything you have to the poor and then come and follow Me. And what is the man's reaction? Well, he has to go away head bowed sad because he was very rich. He realized that he couldn't do it. I think sometimes we wish that Jesus had started with something a little easier on this guy. You know, give a third of what you have and spend some time with Me and then, you know, a little later on, we'll, we'll get to the more difficult things. We aren't told what happens to this guy after he leaves with his head bowed, sad. But I like to believe that this teaching of God's law finally brought him back to Jesus and realized that Jesus was the only thing that he possibly needed and was the only way that he could have eternal life. You see, for all of the things and all of the commandments that this man kept, there was one that he couldn't keep. The first one. It was once famously said, if you kept the first commandment, well, then all the other nine would just fall into place. But he loved his wealth. He loved his standing before people more than he loved God. What would Jesus have to come before you and tell you to do? Well, for some of us, it might be our wealth. Yeah, you know what? I could go and follow Jesus at all times, at all places, but you know, if I had to give up my vacation home or my extra car or that night out, it'd be tough. For some of us, it might be our reputation with outsiders. Or it might be a job or a particular relationship. And Jesus comes before us and exposes those sins in our heart and we end up very much like that rich young ruler. We go away with our heads bowed sad because we realize that we can't do it by ourselves. It's impossible. We realize that we aren't good. We don't live up to God's law. His disciples were stunned by this. It goes on. Jesus looked around and said to His disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and asked each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. 
All things are possible with God. This scene must have really shocked the disciples. After all, this guy looked like he had it all going on for him. That from an outward point of view, he was the most religious guy there. He genuinely came to Jesus asking him the question, what what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he goes away with his head bowed sad. Who then can be saved? They must have felt almost distraught. Jesus tells them it's not possible on your own. It's impossible on your own. You can't do it. It doesn't matter if you're a rich young ruler who outwardly looks like he obeys all the laws or if you are one of the disciples who follows Jesus all the time. You can't do it on your own. At this point of the sermon, you may say, well, that's kind of a lot of law in this text. But there's good news. The next time you ask the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Don't go away with your head bowed sad. But rather, Turn to Jesus and turn to your God. Think about all the impossible things that he has made possible. When the angel Gabriel comes to Mary as we're going to celebrate in just a few short weeks and says to her, you are going to be with child and that child is going to be the very Son of God. And she says, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. What does the angel say to her? With God, all things are possible. Or how God brought His people out of Egypt, as Moses talked about in our first lesson for today. Seemingly impossible that He made possible. That God looked at you and me and said, I want you to be my child. And so I'm going to wash you in the waters of baptism. And through them, you will have faith. Wow. And that baptism saves you. Seemingly impossible thing becomes possible. God becomes man and lives among us and He keeps God's law perfectly and goes to the cross and dies for you? Impossible that someone could do that. Possible with God. Rising from the dead out of a tomb? Impossible. He makes it possible so that you can be sure of your resurrection someday too. So when you ask that question and you're confronted with your sin and the things in your life that you say, it's impossible, I can't do it, I can't do it on my own, then turn to your Savior Jesus. And see the wondrous things that He has done for you. He has forgiven your sins. You don't have to do it by yourself. Turn to your Savior.
impossible. There's nothing for God. Amen.